Thursday, he is media, light, sound, and childcare. <laughs> a childcare parts for after church if you need to go on a date with your wife or anything. Just let me know. Good to be with you. My name's Jason, if you have not met before. And uh, it's lovely to have you with us here at Vineyard Church Dungana, a place where lives are being changed. We're a family, we're a community. And I just love what we get to do here. And uh, especially next Saturday, I'm so, so excited. And um, has anybody managed to get a copy of the Dungannon Herald this week? Apologies if you didn't. You missed that boat. They're all sold out. Uh, and it's just... Pardon? They're going to do another print run. Uh, if you got the first edition, you're in for... A, a, I would eBay it. You'll probably make a fortune on it. Uh, it's funny how it goes to your head. I was walking around Neil's stores, and you could see your face over the tills and stuff they got there and just the bother of getting around the the supermarket they buy products and that there with people coming up to you it is i understand how bieber and uh, the likes of bono and that live their life so would you please pray for me this week as i go back into the community i just want to serve you and serve the people of dungan and that's all my heart is about <laughs> what do you think blackie as he shakes his head. Hey guys, good to be here. We're in a conversation called Living the Kingdom, Living the Story of the Kingdom. And uh, I've, I've been loving it. Um, if I have one theme in life, if I have one thing that I love to speak about, it's the kingdom of God. Uh, it's something that's captivated my heart. It's Jesus' central message. It's the message of the New Testament. It's weaved right throughout the Old Testament. You'll see thread and line. It's the big story of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's one big story of God's rule and reign coming to earth. And it's the only message that Jesus preached, really. All the parables pertain to it. Uh, everything that he says from Mark 1.15 is actually commentary from there on in on the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so Michelle did a cracking job last week. I know you'll expect me to say this, but it was a phenomenal talk. Um, if it was a bad talk, I would also tell you it was a terrible talk. Uh, so don't worry about that. There's no bias there. But I think it's one of the best talks I've ever heard on the kingdom of heaven, on the kingdom of God. So I encourage you. We do have a facility for you to pick up on that again. The sun won last week. The sun was outrageous and, and beat us on the numbers here. But if you managed, if you didn't manage to get here, if you were worshiping in another community uh, elsewhere and join the sun, then I would encourage you to go to SoundCloud. Just go SoundCloud and Google Vineyard Church Dungannon and listen to that podcast. I would encourage you. It's time well spent. She does go on for a long time. I would, I would have to say that. But if you have an hour and a half during the week, I would encourage you to, to listen to that. Okay. Should you pray? Should I pray? Should we pray? Let's do that. Um, let me start by reading the scripture. Let's pray. And then we'll roll um, a short video of a theologian called N.T. Wright. So let me read scripture first. Let's stand for that. Then I'll pray. Then we'll watch the clip. Jesus says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, okay? But you that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world. As I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true, and it is given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for scripture. Thank you that it's God-breathed and inspired. God, there's nothing uh, by chance. There's no coincidence. And God, it's just, would you uh, 
warm up our hearts today, God, to hear the story of the kingdom. But not just to hear it, but to live the story of the kingdom where we are, whether it's in university, whether it's in uh, being a the center of your vision and at the start of creation, parenting at home, or whether it's in the business world or in the factory setting or in the school and education or wherever you have us placed, Father God. God, would you help us? Would you inspire us? Would you uh, fill us again with your Holy Spirit to live the kingdom story? And so, God, I pray right now that there would be no distractions in our mind. The word of God would sink straight into our hearts, God, and it would be an overflow into our community here, near, and far. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let me give you a quick recap on Kingdom of Heaven by N.T. Wright. People often get puzzled when they read the New Testament, particularly for the first time. When in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, but in Mark and Luke and a little bit in John, he talks about the kingdom of God. Actually, for many Jews, those were two ways of saying the same thing. And because they were often reverent about not wanting to say the word God too often, they sometimes would say heaven when they meant God. The trouble is that many Christians reading Matthew's Gospel particularly find Jesus saying things like, um, if you do this, if you do that, you will be called either the least or the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And because many Christians assume that the name of the game is to go to heaven, they think that Jesus is talking about a kingdom, namely a place called heaven, where you might or might not go at the end of time or the end of your life. But Jesus himself makes it quite clear in some of the very same passages that that's not what's going on. In Matthew chapter 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's as it were in the middle of the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at how that great sermon really works and is structured, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is not a place called heaven where you go to escape from earth. The kingdom of heaven means the sovereign rule of heaven, which is coming to birth on earth. And God's plan is to bring that together with the life of earth. He has made that real in Jesus, doing in Jesus what the temple in Jerusalem had already symbolized, bringing heaven and earth together. And then those who follow Jesus find that in the power of his spirit, heaven and earth can start to come together where they are as well, in their lives and through their lives. So we shouldn't think of heaven as just some place where we might end up one day if we're lucky. We should think of it as the reality which can come to birth here and now. He's awfully polite, isn't he? <laughs> He's from Straban, and uh, he's a lovely guy. So what he's saying there is that, I'm sure you've picked up on it, you're not, just, just as I read from John 17, it's the same thing, you're not to be hidden from the world, uh, but you're here to create and to bring life. We're here to represent the kingdom of heaven, to be an echo of the heavens, and to be that, we, we should live in such a way that there just is such a thin veil or wall between what's heaven and earth. And that's what our job is as followers of Jesus Christ. You and I are to engage the world with the love, the hope, the power of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here on planet earth. We're not just taking time. We're not just waiting about and uh, yeah, hoping that Jesus returns someday. We're actually here to bring the love, the hope, and the power of Jesus Christ here on this earth. And so today I want to talk about a place where 
Many of us don't think the kingdom of God is present. We seem to uh, segment our lives, especially us men. We're, we're very good at that. But today I want to help us live the kingdom story where you work, in the place of your work. Unfortunately, the church hasn't helped telling the story um, for many reasons. It's an unhelpful story. It's often the preacher, the priest, the pastor, the minister does the kingdom stuff. That's a story that we've been telling for far too long. It's a misguided story and it's untrue. That your job is that you're here on the seats and your job is to do the secular stuff. Your job, I'm here to do the kingdom stuff. Your job is to do the secular stuff. So what I need you to do is uh, I need you to leave these seats on a Monday morning, go into work, make a pile of money, come back, fill a seat on a Sunday morning. And if you would, please write us a check. We'd really appreciate that. And, uh, and then you can come and you can watch me do the kingdom stuff. And that's your job, people. Right? I'll do the work of the kingdom. But it's so untrue, isn't it? You're, you're part of this tribe. You know it's, even if, you, if you've never been taught it, you feel it. You know it. Intuition tells you that there's more to life than this. See, God is a, is a worker God. He is a productive God. God is a worker. If you look back at the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2, there's God making. He's forming. He's building. He's creating. He's planting. And we are created in what? The image of God. We bear the image of God. That's why we're here on the earth. We're here to reflect God in our humanity, in our vulnerability, but also in the imagination and the creativity that God has given us. So that's a lot of things going on. So back in the garden before the fall, what we find is, is in the paradise, it's not just humanity did not have a role of some glorious inactivity. It's not that at all. It's not that at all. And by the way, this end time when we go into eternity, when the kingdom of heaven comes to earth in its fullness, uh, I don't know what you're thinking, but we ain't going to be sitting on clouds playing harps, right? I, I don't want to give my life to that. That's not what we're going to do. You might think you, you're going to spend eternity in that, but you, if you read Isaiah 65, I've been reading it this morning. If you go from 17 right down to the end of that chapter, you'll find that we're working, that we're doing, that we're creating. The only difference is that our work is without a curse, it is without uh, drudgery, and it's, it's, it won't be stress-filled, and it won't be conflict-filled, and it won't be unfulfilling. It will be flourishing, and we will be creating it in a way that God has designed us to create. See, you're going to work. We're always going to work. I'm sorry if that's bad news for you this morning, but we're always going to work. We're always going to produce. We're always going to help the world to flourish and to become all that it is designed to become. You're going to work. You're going to be satisfied, and, and we have been created in line with that. We've been created. So back in the garden, it says, Genesis 2.15, this is all familiar to you, but it's worth hearing time and time again. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden to what? To work, to take care of it. So it's not a paradise. It's not a glorious state of total inactivity. You know, they, they didn't run around naked and uh, eat, eating fruit off certain trees and not putting on weight. There was stuff to do. According to the scriptures, we've got a responsibility and a part to play. God created man and woman to work and to, to take care of the garden. Take care of the garden. Am I talking too fast? Work is not a consequence of sin. In fact, the Bible says it's blessed. You're blessed to take care of the earth. You're blessed to be productive. You're blessed to work. We would be expected to work even if the fall had never occurred. It was from before and it is after. We're designed to do the stuff, to work. Work is our godlike activity. And so actually what you're doing here, here, get this. This is really spiritual. And some of you will love this. Some of you won't like it at all. You see, we are, are imitating God when we work. 
You're not just imitating God when you're at church. You're imitating God when you work because God is a worker God. He is a creative God. God didn't create a static world. He created a world that is in process, that is becoming like he designed it to be. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We are pulling the future kingdom into this world, and so we want to create the world that God had always on his mind. A world that flourishes. A world that is fruitful. A world that has purpose. A world that uh, brings life to humanity and the earth itself. That's what we've been designed to do. God didn't create a static world. God didn't put human beings in the garden of Eden saying, no, don't break anything. Leave well, don't touch that, right? If my mother's here today, if you ever go into her house, it's that type of house. You go into it and you think, don't touch that, don't walk there, right? Everything's perfect, right? And I'm unfit, right? So I'll leave it at that. But that's not the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is not a, don't touch it, don't break anything. He actually wanted us to tend to it. He actually wanted us to work it, to improve upon it. There's this cool verse in Genesis, and you've read it all the time. It's probably your life verse, and you've stuck it on your fridge or your fridge. You know the magnets, like, you know, like uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan and a future for you. I probably think you've probably got this one right beside it. And, and it's, yeah, let me read it to you. Genesis 2, 12. It says, the gold of the land is good. Aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. And that's the whole verse. Is that your life verse? Anybody got it on their fridge? No? Seriously. Do you ever wonder why that's in the scriptures? Just, just in brackets. You see, Eden was made up of raw materials. Raw materials. There's gold, there's aromatic resin, there's onyx. Those are raw materials, not finished products. And what humanity gets to do with them is pull out of them. To create design. See, God creates out of nothing. He speaks. The Holy Spirit hovers over the earth. I don't know what your view of creation is, but I don't know if it's a literal seven days or not. I choose to believe it's probably not a literal seven days. But God creates and he breathes over and he creates out of nothing. But then he puts humanity and he gives him raw materials. He says, here, you create out of something. And he's good that way because that's how we're designed to live. Tim Keller, he says this, work is rearranging the raw materials of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and the people in particular, I love this, to thrive and to flourish. Think about your work in that terms. Think about what you do. You're probably struggling, but I want you to start praying for your work as a kingdom story to tell. I want you to think about your work after reading or hearing that, if you're reading it on the screen, if you're hearing it just by the sound of my voice, rearranging the raw materials of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular to thrive and to flourish. You see, we're created to work. What, it, what that means is that your humanity, listen, your humanity is torn. Your humanity is fractured when you choose not to be productive. Because if you're made in the image of God, God the worker, then if you're, if you're not doing that, if, whether it's through to disobedience or you've maybe... Uh, come into addiction or you just can't work anymore because you choose not to. Now, the scripture says if you are able to work, okay, so there's some people not able to work, but even in hospital beds, you can do the work of the kingdom, you can pray, you can do the work of prayer. If you're out of work, you can volunteer, you can create stuff, and you can cause the world to flourish, you can cause people to thrive, you can get engaged in things that, that's all around. There's just plenty of things to engage in this world with. There's plenty of raw material for us to draw out and to make beautiful things, Right? 
So that I'm not saying if you're, if you're unemployed, then you know, you're not going to be blessed and your humanity's torn. That's not what I'm saying. If you're ill in your body, sick in your body, you can do the work of prayer. You can encourage people. Uh, my father is dead four years tomorrow. Even in his bed, he was in bed for, for, for a long time. He was still able to do the work of prayer, to pray for his grandchildren every day. That's the work, right? It's still work. It's still causing people to thrive. It's still causing people to flourish. So I hope you engage with that. So don't hear this as, I'm out and they're in. That's not what I'm saying at all. We're, we're broken if we're not creating. We're torn. And, and, and even people that retire, I, I meet people that retire, uh, and sometimes they get depressed, and sometimes they, they just feel like they have no, no passion. If you're not engaging in volunteer, volunteer work, if you're not creating, if even retirement, you can flourish, you can cause people to thrive and to flourish, you can, you can sign up to loads of things here in your church, Don Gannon, and it's just a bit of push on that there thing. I'm just kidding. This is not about signing up for more stuff. Don't cause your humanity to tear. See, if we're not bringing improvement, if I read Keller's, I think if we're not bringing improvement upon the world, we're destroying our humanity and we're destroying humanity. Oh, that sounds heavy, Jason, but it's got to be true. We're not only created to work, but we're commanded to work. Ouch. Now, have you ever noticed the Ten Commandments about the Sabbath, about rest? Now, we're looking forward to doing a slow series in September. Most churches hit, the wall, hit, the, hit September running. We're slowing things down this September for you. Is that okay? Good. All the parents getting their kids back to school are saying, yes, slow. Exodus 2, or sorry, Exodus 28 and 9 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor or work and do all your work. And then God says the same thing in Exodus 34, 21. He says, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and the harvest, you must rest. Now, you talk to a farmer Right? When it's season, like they're going up and down that bush road like maniacs on Friday night. You don't need weather forecasts when you hear the, the farmers going, out. is there a farmer in the room? Up, and they don't even stop at the speed bumps. Boom, 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 boom. And they go into two or three in the morning, you know the rain's coming, right? They're prophetic people. They know the rain is coming. So imagine telling the farmer, stop what you're doing. Oh, the rain's coming. Stop what you're doing. Rest. Work and rest, work and rest, work and rest. When you turn the pages of Scripture, I love this. Here's what I've discovered. It's not always the priests and the pastors that are changing the universe and changing the world, right? Somehow we think that when we come into this context, you become all spiritual. And we think that the people, well, at least in my circle, sometimes we get around a conversation. And we sometimes, in our idiotic thinking, think that it's only us pastors and priests and ministers that are changing the world. But then when you look at the ancient scriptures, when you turn the page, you find that the people are creating the future for humanity and the world are the government leaders like Joseph and Daniel. They're the people that are making the change, making the prophetic change, making the change in the world. The business leaders, the shepherds, and the farmers. If you live in Dungannon, you are in the center of the will of God. Abraham, he's a wealthy cattle trader. Joseph, he's trading in wheat. Future wheat, stock shares in wheat, Bitcoin in wheat, okay? And, and then he does that. And then you've got, look, a doctor. You've got the first Ethiopian convert in the book of Acts as a, a central banker. He's, he's a bigwig. Dorcas is a fashion designer. Lydia is a businesswoman. Cornelius was an army general. And Simon the Tanner was the Louis Vuitton, Louis, sorry, the Louis Vuitton of the day. 
Anybody got a Louis Vuitton bag? Colin, you've got a, oh, you've got, no, that's not a Louis Vuitton bag. Look, look at that man. He is incredible. He's got one of these wee step things, so any chance he gets to move to put his steps up, he's on it. All right. So if you see him running about, don't panic. So Louis Vuitton of the day making purses and beautiful leather wallets for people. These are the people that changed the face of the earth. These are the people that created the New Testament church. These are the people that made space for the kingdom of God to come flooding in to planet earth. Isn't it phenomenal? Isn't that phenomenal? I think it. I'm excited. The Jewish view of work. Let me give you something else. This is, this is a guy called William Barclay, the great, great Bible commentator. He said, to a Jew, work was essential. Work was the essence of life. Jews had a saying that he who does not teach his son a trade teaches him to steal. Wow. Work to a Jew was not a way of life. Work was life. Work was life. And the New Testament view of work, again, I, I think us Westerners, when we see Jesus, we, we sort of picture him as, well, I like to think of him as Owen Wilson. You know Owen Wilson, the actor? Jesus, did you ever see those pictures of Jesus, blonde hair and blue eyes? even though he was from the Middle, Middle East. And we, th we think of him, Jesus, as just some sort of guru, you know, sandals and nudie jeans. And, and uh, he's just walking around the planet, just telling people, hey, man, blessed are the peacemakers. That's my best Owen Wilson accent that I can do for you. But you find that he's not the, the guru hippie rabbi. He's actually the worker, Jesus God. He's a carpenter. And that word carpenter in language actually means that he, he, he's, he's more than a carpenter. He's a contractor. He's involved in not just making the table, but overseeing the project. Any project people, any builder people here? What do you all do? Anybody work with their hands? Colin, anybody else? Billy down the back, like, huh? Here he is, lifting all them bricks. And he gets a sign up on a Sunday morning. Jesus and Billy, same thing. He, he's the closest, his closest circle of friends were all workers, right? They weren't off doing a PhD in seminary. They were actually workers. His teachings came out of the world of work. What did he talk about? He talked about sewers and merchants and fishermen and tax collectors, right? That's the stories of the Bible. And that's what he teaches out of. He talks about merchants and fishermen and tax collectors. And he didn't teach in the synagogues in the temple only, he taught out in the marketplace where people were working in the streets. Well, there's a buzz and there's a chaos. You know, but he wasn't reclusive. He wasn't some hippie guru. He was in the hustle and the bustle of society where there's uh, commerce and there's making and there's creating and there's selling and lots of things happen. And he's there on the streets and on the hillsides and the shores of the lakes where people are fishing for a living. It's the story of Jesus. You don't ever want to go down the road, you see, of of of. Segmenting our, segmenting our lives into sections. You see, the kingdom of God is not like a grapefruit where we take off sections or pieces of time. It's more milkshake. It's everything that we do in life. Now, that's a great theological uh, definition of the kingdom of heaven right there. It's not a grapefruit. It's a milkshake. Can you remember that? See, what we do is we're more grapefruit people here in the West. This is my work life. Take a piece. This is my married life. This is my social life. This is my friendship life. This is my exercise life. This is my health life. This is my emotional life. This is my mental health life. This is my Jesus going to church life. That's not the gig, people. 
And so we've, we've formed something that's been so unhelpful. And again, as I said, right from the start, us preachers and teachers haven't been so helpful on it when we told you to go out and do the work, write us a check, and watch us do the kingdom stuff. We've, we've, we've formed something called secular and sacred. And please don't go there. If you think about it, without going into a theological uh, teaching moment, I want you just to think about, I could do that for you, but I want you to think about sacred stuff. It's just a small, we got a pie, cake, right? And we're cutting up our time because it's not more time that you need. It's actually, you need to do less stuff. So we got this pie, we got this cake, and we're cutting it. Well, the sacred stuff, if we're going to go, if we're going to go down that road, the, it's a small piece of the pie. Honestly, it's a small piece of the pie. Let, let, me, let me ask you then. The sacred stuff, if we, if we put it into subject or categories, you're going to church life. You're praying, you're reading the scriptures, your evangelism life. If we were to put them into subsections, what does the percentage of your week look like? And you can play about with your hands on your seat, you know, like five percent. I think if we're really spiritual people, it's probably five percent of all our week. Of all our week. You take the other ninety-five percent, most of life, it's spent in the workplace, walking the dog. Hmm? Getting groceries, cutting grass, bathing kids, cutting your nails, getting your hair cut. Isn't it? 95% of your life is the other stuff. You see, if you see, if you don't see work as a place where the kingdom is and where the kingdom can impact and you've segmented your life, I only say that that leads to a very depressing, unfulfilled life. If 5% of your life is fulfillment and 95% of your life is everything else, you've got to conclude. Let me be generic here. You've got to be thinking that life is meaningless. All the hours, the days, the weeks, the years. Wasted. That thought scares me. Thankfully, that's not the story, right? Because we live this kingdom story where we work. So let me give you a positive side. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God, he took the man and he put him in the garden to work and to take care of it. That Hebrew word work is avod, avodad. It means also to, to worship. So when we read scriptures like in Exodus 3.20, it says, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you. It is I who have sent you, he's talking to Moses. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will avodad God on this mountain. Exodus 4.23, and I told you, let my son go. Same story of the, of the it's our story actually of the release and from slavery and our freedom. You can see it in that story. Let my son go so that he may avodad me. But you refuse to let him go and I will kill your firstborn son. And that's a whole big story we haven't got time to get into. And Psalm 102 says, Avadad the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Why am I saying all that? Let me give you the bottom line here. God in the Bible breaks down the secular sacred wall. He, by inspiring the writers hundreds and thousands of years ago, he inspires writers to use the same word for work as for worship. He breaks down the divide. And so what happens is our Sunday should blend into Monday just like milkshake. Just like milkshake. That's what it has to do. It ought to be the context for worship. 
And again, let me make sure that no one gets lost in, in what I'm ha- talking about today. Uh, because we're creating and we're making the world a better place. That's what work is. For people to flourish and for the earth to be fulfilled. God's first commandment is be fruitful. Be fruitful. Rule and reign. So be fruitful is not that we all start going out there, all the smart people start making babies now. Yeah, God's plan was that we would fill the earth and that we would subdue the earth and we would rule and reign over it and it would become a flourishing place and we'd take the raw materials and we would create something beautiful out of the things that God had for us. Do you believe that? So I just want to say again, if you're out of work because of illness, do the work of prayer. Do some kind of work that causes humanity to flourish and people to flourish and be fruitful because that's our given task in the book of Genesis. Are you with me? Everybody fresh, right? You just like, hey, get me to work, right? You're like, Monday morning cannot come quick enough. Is that where you're at right now? Hold your horses. It's going to get better. I've got three small things and three quick takeaways for you this morning. And again, for those people who are parenting, whether you're male or female, what you do, let me say this here, because this has been misconstrued in churches. You know, I, I, us, us guys and girls, we, we, we introduce ourselves in two different ways. So usually the girls will say, hey, how, what's your name? Yeah? We all do the name thing, right? And then they're straight into, how many kids have you got? How are you feeling today? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And they go straight into a world of chaos <laughs> and confusion for us men. But us guys, like, we're deeper, right? We're like this deep. We're own Wilsons, all of us. And we shake hands, we say, hey, how you doing? And then the next question we ask him is, what do you do with yourself? Are you busy? Huh? So, so that's not the point. That's not the point. Is, see, the focal point of God's vision for the world is that we take care of family, that we are fruitful, and that we rule and we reign. And so parenting is right at the heart of God's vision for humanity. So well done, you who are doing that. So can I give you three quick takeaways to live the kingdom story and work? Uh, actually, I've stole these um, headings straight from a book. Um, I'm not trying to be clever or smart. I do forget the guy's name, and I do forget the book. But if you're looking for it, um, you'll never find it. it just, <laughs> it's just all about me. If you read the Herald next week, you'll probably find it in the... No, it's not. That's the talk next week. Just to let you know, I write all Michelle's talks too. That's why I really plugged her talk this morning. Guys, remember, it's not about the paid job. It's about being fruitful and causing people to thrive and to flourish, all right? As we take these three points. Three quick ways to live the kingdom story. Number one, you have a ministry at work. You have a ministry at work. Where you go, you bring hope and the life and the presence and the love of Jesus Christ into that place. Again, it's not grapefruit. It's all about milkshake. I don't want you to live in fear, in any level of fear or anxiety. Here's what Jesus has to do in your heart and your life. When you say yes to Jesus, you don't join a religious organization. You actually are informed by the life of Jesus and the spirit of God that dwells within you. You're informed. I want to tell you something. Sounds a bit arrogant. I want to suggest to you that Jesus informs all your decision making. Your ethics, your truth telling, 
But Jesus informs your values in your ethics, not the sound of society. And that can be frightening. And that can make me anxious. It can make me fearful. When I read and see TV, when I see prime ministers and ministers of countries cheering that unborn babies can be terminated up to 12 weeks, it's a scary thing when you have a truth, when you have a value, and all of society is cheering and celebrating and dancing in the streets. That can cause a person of faith to become anxious and fearful. I know many of you feel gagged, especially in the workplace, but I want to say to you, be strong, courageous. Just speak about the life you have in Jesus. And I hear you. It's easy for you, Jason. Of course, a pastor and a preacher is going to tell us to do that. Of course, it's risk-free for you. You just have to sit in the building and talk Christianese to Christian people, right? Not so. Not so. I don't choose to live my life that way. You know, of course, somebody like me is going to give you that advice on a Sunday when you have to go and face your work uh, colleagues and your boss and your employers on a Monday morning. That's totally a different scenario. I know I've been there. I've bought the T-shirt. So let me give you a couple of things. Let me give you some advice on that. There are people all over the world and people you've actually given to in this church, you've actually, your money has physically gone to people all over the world who suffer because of their association with Jesus Christ and who continue not to to be um, trodden on or put down. They continue to rise up again, move house in fear of their life, and again, to set up camp, pitch up a, a, a ramshack bit of a building, call it a home at the side of a building, and start all over again and preach the name of Jesus. And I always say to us people in the Western world, surely, 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 a little embarrassment is worth it. Surely just a little embarrassment uh, won't silence us, right? I mean, see you, Colin. So, for some of you, like, you know, you, 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 you do some embarrassing things. I've read your Facebook pages. So, going to work and informing people about your values and your ethics and your truth-telling and how you live your life in Jesus is really not embarrassing at all. The world is eagerly desiring somebody to walk into your space with truth in a world full of sales pitch. They're looking for authentic and reality. They're looking for the God people to show up. They mightn't like it, but they're craving for it. Their families need it. Their streets need it. Your business needs it. The finance world needs it. Everybody needs the God story in their life because when Jesus comes to town, all things are better and everything starts to become new. Don't allow a little embarrassment to silence us. Our freedom is a gift. Secondly, on this, you have a ministry at work. You don't want to be the weird guy or the weird woman, right? You don't want to be weird. So I have some really sound advice for you. Don't. Don't be weird. You don't have to. Just be you. You don't have to turn into somebody with an American accent. You don't have to be somebody who talks different when you're talking about other things. We did a men's thing one time. Our men's things never did thrive. They were always a disaster. Uh, probably because I headed up a couple of them. And uh, so we brought these biker Harley Davidson guys around one week. At, uh, and they were like, vroom, 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 you know, the big chrome things. They've got like helmets for hats. Like army helmets and stuff they got there. And tattoos, like demonic. And all that there sort of stuff. And, and we were just having a conversation. And I said, hey, tell us your story. 
And it was like somebody lifted the Harley Davidson guy. Or somebody invaded the Harley Davidson guy's body like an alien came from, from, he, uh, from somewhere else and came in. And he started talking. Well, he says, when I was just 14, I heard the story of Jesus. It's like, what happened to his voice? He has been possessed by a weird talking Presbyterian. Ooh, sorry, that just slipped out. That slipped out. Can we cut and paste? If you're a Presbyterian, my apologies to you. My apologies to you. I can't, I can't bring it back. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't be weird. Speak of your life, right? Well, I'm in a scooter club. We go out on Tuesday nights. We went out one week there. Two weeks ago, the sun was split in the sky, and uh, we're sitting in this pub having a conversation, and they start to talk about Christians that are winding them up. Like, oh, great. <laughs> I know, and they start to name, and every Christian is just annoying them. You know, these people that get saved and are good living. You know the good living type. Cars, yachts, jets. I want to be so good living someday. And so they're talking about this, you know. And they're like, and they make the statement, I don't, I don't mind people that are that way, and they know what I do. I don't mind people that are that way, but I don't want it. I don't want it. So I'm listening, not intimidated. And then we move that conversation, and we're straight into talking about life and work and parenting and children and pain. And right there, I know that they're interested in Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Because I just get to speak out of life, right? Because Jesus informs all of my life. Therefore, when I take my life to work, I have a ministry at work because Jesus informs my values, my ethics. When I walk into a pub with a scooter club, guys, you don't want religion, then I just bring Jesus into that conversation. The kingdom of heaven, the values, the ethics, and the truth. And they soak it up. And then you get texts at the end of the night. They don't say, Bible basher, don't come again. They say stuff like this here. What a great night. We're a great tribe. We love ourselves. We're the best scooter club in all of the world. They absolutely, we're, 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 we're ecstatic because you know what? Something's excited their soul. Something's got inside their, their being, and it's a Jesus story. It's the kingdom of heaven where they're at. I didn't think I would go on that long on, those, on that point, but anyway. You have a ministry at work. Don't be afraid. Allow Jesus. Just talk about life. There are people in your workplace that are going through pain. People on Monday morning are, are having illnesses and diagnoses. There are people that are, are financially struggling. There are people that are struggling in their relationships and their friendships. Guys, you think you're going to bring something spiritual? Why don't you just talk? You know, There's nothing more spiritual than bringing Jesus into that very situation. Right? Let's not get weird. Let's never be a church of the weird. All right? Too late? I hear you. <laughs> See your work as doing something for Jesus. Jesus is. There's only one Jesus, by the way. <laughs> Not plural. It's fizzy. It makes, makes me both sad and frustrated. When I hear stories go like this, and I've heard a few of these, I'm finally getting to do something for the kingdom. I've worked since I was 16 in business, 16 years of age in secular business. And since I went out on my own this last year, I'm actually... Thank you. I'm actually doing something for the kingdom. Have you ever heard those conversations? Uh, in one way, I do get it. In another way, I think it makes me really sad and frustrated and depressed. Because I left school at 16, and I started to get a paycheck in the church in 2005. So is what you're saying that my life from the age of 16 to 30 24, <laughs> was meaningless, that I wasn't doing kingdom stuff? Is that what you're saying? 
that all of a sudden that we've got this small chunk of our life and all those years are wasted and all that time is wasted. That is such a sad state of affairs. And let me tell you something, you're always doing kingdom stuff because your work is ministry. Your work is worship to Jesus. Cause the place to flourish. Cause the place to thrive. See, at 16 and 17 and 18, I still had the opportunity to pray for the sick. Right? And when we're talking about, if we're talking about financial stuff, guys, let me just, let me just, this is one of my pet, pet things. Let me, let me just, can I get it out of my system? Let me, let me come down and do eyeball to eyeball with you. Seeing people tell me that, oh, you know, when I get a business, then I'm going to start tithing 10%. Are you telling me you don't believe in 10% tithing 10% before you own your own kingdom business? And are you saying to the single parent who's given 10% all those months and all those years so that we can come and sit in the black seat and so that people can flourish and thrive in Dungannon here near and far and refugees can be rescued and, and, and hope in their hearts be regenerated and so that we can go to India and see people that have absolutely nothing and are living in mud tents that you've never seen before uh, without a kitchen or anything else. Are you saying that the single parent that gives towards that there has a different concept from you? I hope you're not. Because if you're waiting to do some kingdom impact work and believe all of a sudden you have a theology of tithing when you own your own business, that's not a theology. That's actually indulgence. And it makes me angry in a way, and I know nobody in this place does it, okay? So I'm not beating up the church here. I'm actually celebrating what we do as a community of faith, believe it or not. We're a good church, and we're doing that, and we're championing that. And so if you want to talk about tithing and you have a theology of that, don't park it until you start your own kingdom business. Actually, start it from the moment you get a hypnie and get some dough in your pocket. It's out there. Feel like a new man. Thank you for your counseling session today. Feel free to charge me and bill me for that. No, should I bill you? No, you bill me. You bill me. Guys, your work as a ministry, you see, teachers are educating the future and making leaders and prophetic voices and training up Daniels and Josephs and Abrahams. Security workers are, are people that are involved in social justice. They're providing safe places. Financial people, God, do we need the, the king of people and the finances and the banks, right? We need them in there. What do you do? What you do is worship. It's ministry. Jesus is, is not outside of what you do. He's in the very center. He's in the very center. Should you choose to include him, include him he's at the center of what you do. We're called into relationship with Christ. That's our primary calling. We're called to connect with Jesus and we're called to fellowship with Jesus, to know Christ, to enjoy Christ, to love Christ, to worship Christ. But we're also called to perform certain tasks because we're creating the image of Christ. And the question that you ought to be asking about wherever, whatever work you do is not simply, how much money am I making? Or am I being fulfilled at work? But maybe you should start to see and ask yourself, do I see myself as an instrument of a kingdom? It's telling the story of God where I work in my workplace? Is God working through my life? Is he there? Is he evident in that? So you can, you can sell coffee and insurance. You can be a roofer, a dentist. You can do building work or garage work or accounts and you can honor God. You know what? I believe God smiles. He's not waiting for you to find some business that partners with some non-profit organization so that someday you can call that fulfillment. He's actually engaged in McDonald's today. 
as well as the nonprofits. He's actually engaged in Wolf Psycho today, as well as Tear Fund. He's actually engaged in Malin Engineering, as well as YWAM, the Youth with a Mission. Do you believe me? Let's not segment our lives. Let's not slice the cake for 5%. Let's live 100% taking the kingdom of God here, near and far, and wherever we wake up on a Monday morning. Last thing, last thing, it's very quick, and it's for a few of us, a ministry to work. Some of us have a ministry to work, to the place of work, where we have promotion, not to gain a bigger paycheck, but to influence others so that they can be fruitful and flourish in the workplace. Anybody ever heard the Quakers? They created health systems in the workplace. Uh, anybody ever go to, you know what I hate about going to places that have, you know, these set tills nowadays? You remember before set tills, you could bargain with people? You remember that? Oh, how much would you really do it for? Remember? Anybody do that? Well, the Quakers ruined that for everybody. <laughs> for the Quakers were the first people to have a fixed price. And the reason why the Quakers had a fixed price in products was that they, they, they saw that there was an unfairness, there was... Um, there was lack of integrity in businesses, and so a poor person would come in, and they, they would just make up the price as it went along. And then a rich person would come in, somebody who had money, and it was also unfair to them, so they would charge them 50% more than they would charge somebody maybe that they knew. And so, like it or not, I actually dislike it because I love a bit of haggle. Um, they created this thing called a fixed price. That was the Quakers, those who shook under the power of the Spirit. It was the Quakers that did that. All I'm saying is that maybe some of you are gifted to the workplace. Maybe some of us are called in our responsibility to empower and to train others. Maybe we're here to, you're in the workplace and you're there as a gift. And God calls people to follow Jesus and he brings them into places of influence and favor. Maybe you're a Joseph. Maybe you're signed up. Maybe you went through a hell of a time during recession. But what you don't know is what's happening in the background. Maybe you're, you're not totally aware, but there is a, a feel of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And maybe God's moving things around. And maybe God has, has stationed you and prepared you and kept you. And you thought you weren't going to make it. And you, you thought you weren't going to last it. And your business was going to fall. And it, it's still there. It's still there. And maybe you're a Joseph. Maybe there's a future for this town through your business. Maybe there's employment and fair employment and good employment from your business for this town, so that this place can be fruitful, and this land and this place can flourish. I've talked way too much. We're going to do some prayer ministry. Why don't we stand? Everybody's involved in this conversation. There's no get out clause. Don't tear at your humanity by being unproductive.